Chapter Two of Egyptian Papyri, First Series. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Egyptian Tales, First Series, by Sir W. M. Flinders Petrie. Chapter Two, The Peasant and the Workman. In the Sekhet Hemat, Ninth Dynasty, The Peasant and the Workman. There dwelt in the Sekhet Hemat or salt country, a peasant called the Sekti, with his wife and children, his asses and his dogs. And he trafficked in all good things of the Sekhet Himat, to Henan-Seten. Behold, now he went with rushes, natron, and salt, with wood and pods, with stones and seeds, and all good products of the Sekhet Himat. And this Sekti journeyed to the south, unto Henan-Seten, and when he came to the lands of the house of Fifa, north of Dinat, he found a man there standing on the bank, a man called Hemti, the workman, son of a man called Azri, who was a serf of the high steward Marui Tenza. Now said this Hemti when he saw the asses of Sekti, that were pleasing in his eyes, Oh, that some good God would grant me to steal away the goods of Sekti from him. Now Hemti's house was by the dike of the towpath, which was straightened and not wide as much as the width of a waist-cloth. On the one side of it was the water, and on the other side of it grew his corn. Hempty said then to his servant, Hasten, bring me a shawl from the house. And it was brought instantly. Then he spread out this shawl on the face of the dike, and it lay with its fastening on the water, and its fringe on the corn. Now Sekti approached along the path used by all men, said Hempty, Have a care, Sekti. You are not going to trample my clothes, said Sekti. I will do as you like. I will pass carefully. Then he went up on the higher side, but Hemti said, Go you over my corn instead of the path, said Sekti. I am going carefully. This high field of corn is not my choice, but you have stopped your path with your clothes. And will you then not let us pass by the side of the path? And one of the asses filled its mouth with a cluster of corn said Hempty, Look you, I will take away your ass, Sekti, for eating my corn. Behold, it will have to pay accordingly to the amount of the injury, said Sekti. I am going carefully, the one way is stopped, therefore I took my ass by the enclosed ground, and do you seize it for filling its mouth with a cluster of corn? Moreover, I know unto whom this domain belongs, even unto the Lord Steward, Marui Tenza. He it is who smites every robber in this whole land, and shall I then be robbed in his domain? Said Hempty, This is the proverb which men speak, A poor man's name is only his own matter. I am he of whom ye spake, Even the Lord's steward of whom you think. Thereupon he took to him branches of green tamarisk, And scourged all his limbs, Took his asses, and drave them into the pasture, And Sekti wept very greatly By reason of the pain of what he had suffered, said Hemti, Lift up not your voice, Sekti, or you shall go to the demon of silence. Sekti answered, You beat me, you steal my goods, and now you would take away even my voice, O demon of silence? If you will restore my goods, then I will cease to cry out at your violence. Sekti stayed the whole day petitioning Hemti, but he would not give ear unto him, and Sekti went his way to Kenan-Sutan to complain to Lord Steward Marui Tenza. He found him coming out of the door of his house to embark on his boat, that he might go to the judgment hall. 
Sexy said, Ho, turn that I may please thy heart with this discourse. Now at this time let one of thy followers, whom thou wilt, come to me that I may send him to thee concerning it. The Lord Steward Murray Tenzer made his follower, whom he chose, go straight unto him, and Sekti sent him back with an account of all these matters. Then the Lord Steward Mary Tenzer accused Hempty unto the nobles who sat with him, and they said unto him, By your leave, as to this Sekti of yours, let him bring a witness. Behold thou, it is our custom with our Sektis, witnesses come with them. Behold, that is our custom. Then it will be fitting to beat this Hempty for a trifle of natron and a trifle of salt. If he is commanded to pay for it, he will pay for it. But the high steward Mary Tenzer held his peace, for he would not reply unto these nobles, but would reply unto the Sekti. Now Sekti came to appeal to the Lord Steward Mary Tenzer, and said, O my Lord Steward, greatest of the great, guide of the needy, when thou embarkest on the lake of truth, mayest thou sail upon it with a fair wind. May thy mainsail not fly loose, may there not be lamentation in thy cabin, may not misfortune come after thee, may not thy mainstays be snapped, mayest thou not run aground, may not the wave seize thee, mayest thou not taste the impurities of the river, mayest thou not see the face of fear, may the fish come to thee without escape, mayest thou reach unto plump waterfowl, for thou art the orphan's father, the widow's husband, the desolate woman's brother, the garment of the motherless. Let me celebrate thy name in this land for every virtue, a guide without greediness of heart, a great one without any meanness, destroying deceit, encouraging justice, coming to the cry and allowing utterance. Let me speak, do thou hear and do justice, O praised whom the praised ones praise. Abolish oppression, behold me, I am overladen, reckon with me, behold me defrauded. Now the Sekti made this speech in the time of the majesty of the king Nebkar Enra, blessed. The Lord Steward Marie Tenza went straight away to the king and said, My lord, I have found one of these Sekti excellent of speech in very truth. Stolen are his goods, and he has come to complain to me of the matter. His majesty said, As thou wishest that I may see his health, lengthen out his complaint without replying to any of his speeches. He who desireth him to continue speaking should be silent. Behold, bring us his words in writing, that we may listen to them. But provide for his wife and children, and let the Sekti himself also have a living. Thou must cause one to give him his portion, without letting him know that thou art he who is giving it to him. There were given to him four loaves and two draughts of beer each day, which the Lord Steward Merui Tenza provided for him giving it to a friend of his, who furnished it unto him. Then the Lord Steward Marie Tenza sent the governor of Sekhet Hemat to make provision for the wife of the Sekti, three rations of corn each day. Then came the Sekti a second time, and even a third time, unto the Lord Steward Marui Tenza. But he told two of his followers to go unto the Sekti, and seize him, and beat him with staves. But he came again unto him, even unto six times, and said, my lord steward, destroying deceit and encouraging justice, raising up every good thing and crushing every evil, as plenty comes removing famine, as clothing covers nakedness, 
as clear sky after storm warms the shivering, as fire cooks that which is raw, as water quenches the thirst, look with thy face upon my lot, do not covet, but content me without fail, do the right, and do not evil. But yet Marui Tenza would not hearken unto his complaint, and the secti came yet and yet again, even unto the ninth time. Then the Lord's steward told two of his followers to go unto the secti, and the secti feared that he should be beaten, as at the third request. But the Lord's steward Meritenza said unto him, Fear not, secti, for what thou hast done. The secti has made many speeches delightful to the heart of his majesty, and I take an oath, as I eat bread and as I drink water, that thou shalt be remembered to eternity. Said the Lord Steward, Moreover, thou shalt be satisfied when thou shalt hear of thy complaints. He caused to be written on a clean roll of papyrus each petition to the end, and the Lord Steward Merui Tenza sent it to the majesty of the king Nebka-Enra, blessed, and it was good to him more than anything that is in the whole land. But his majesty said to Merui Tenza, Judge it thyself. I do not desire it. The Lord Steward Marui Tenza made two of his followers go to the Sekhat Himat, and bring a list of the household of the Sekti, and its amount was six persons, beside his oxen and his goats, his wheat and his barley, his asses and his dogs, and moreover he gave all that which belonged unto the Hemti to the Sekti, even all his property and his officers, and the Sekti was beloved of the king more than all his overseers, and ate of all the good things of the king, with all his household. Remarks Of the tale of the peasant and the workman, three copies, more or less imperfect, remain to us. At Berlin are two papyri, numbers two and four, containing parts of the tale, published in facsimile in the Denkmaler of Lepsius, volume six, pages 108 to 110 and 113. More portions of another copy exist in the Butler Papyrus, and lately fragments of the same have been collated in the collection of Lord Amherst of Hackney. These last have been published in the Proceedings of the Society of Biblical Archaeology, volume 14, page 558. The number of copies seem to show that this was a popular tale in early times. It is certainly of a more advanced type than the earlier tales of magic, though it belongs to a simpler style than the tales which follow. It has been translated partially by Chabas and Goodwin, and also by Maspero, but most completely by Griffin in the Proceedings of the Society of Biblical Archaeology, referred to above. The beginning of the tale is lost in all the copies, and an introductory sentence is here added in brackets to explain the position of affairs at the opening of the fragment. The essence of the tale is the difference in social position between the secti, or peasant, and the hempty, or workman, the feller and the client of the noble and the impossibility of getting justice against a client, unless by some extraordinary means of attracting his patron's attention, is the basis of the action. There is not a single point of incident here which might not be true in modern times. Every turn of it seems to live as one reads it in view of country life in Egypt. The region of the tale is Henenseten, or Heracleopolis, now Arnas, a little south of the Fayum. This was the seat of the ninth and tenth dynasties, apparently ejected from Memphis by a foreign invasion of the Delta, and here it is that the high steward lives and goes to speak to the king. 
The district of the Sekhti is indicated by his travelling south to the Henenseten, and going with asses and not by boat. Hence we are led to look for the Sekhat Himat, or salt country, in the borders of the Fayum Lake, whence the journey would be southward, and across the desert. This lake was not regulated artificially until the twelfth dynasty, and hence at the period of this tale it was a large sheet of water, fluctuating with each rise and fall of the Nile, and bordered by lagoons where rushes would flourish, and where salt and natron would accumulate during the dry season of each year. At the present time the lake of Fayum is brackish, and the cliffs which border it contain so much salt that rain pools which collect on them are not drinkable. The paths and roads of Egypt are not protected by law as in western countries. Each person encroaches on a path or diverts it as may suit his purpose, only checked by the liberties taken by passers-by in trespassing if a path be insufficient. Hence it is very usual to see a house built over half a path and driving the traffic into the field or almost over the river bank. In this case the Hempty had taken in as much of the path as he could and left but a narrow strip along the top of the canal bank. The frequent use of the public way for drying clothes or spreading out property gave the idea of choking the way altogether and leaving no choice but trespassing on the crops. No sooner does a donkey pause or even pass by a field of corn than he snatches a mouthful, and in a delay or altercation such as this the beast is sure to take the advantage. Donkeys carrying loads by cornfields are usually muzzled with rope nets to prevent their feeding, and even sheep and goats are also fended in the same way. The proverb, a poor man's name is only his own matter, refers to the independent fellow having no patron or protector who will take up and defend his name from accusations, as the interests of clients and serfs would be protected. This being the case, Hempty therefore seizes on the property and drives the asses into his own pasture field. The scene of Marui Tenza laying the case before the nobles who sat with him is interesting as showing that even simple cases were not decided by one judge, but referred to a council. Similarly, Una lays stress on the private trial of the Queen, being confided to him and only one other judge. Apparently referring cases to a bench of judges was the means of preventing corruption. The speeches of the secti were given at full length in the papyrus, but owing to injuries we cannot now entirely recover them. They are all in much the same strain, only the first and last translated here, and the others are passed over. The style of these speeches was evidently looked on as eloquent in those days, and, and this papyrus really seems to show the time when long-drawn comparisons and flowery wishes were in fashion. It is far different from later compositions, as it is also from the earlier simple narration of crude marvels in the tales of the magicians. The close of the tale is defective, but from the remains it appears to have ended by the gift of the Hempty's property to the oppressed Sekti, and the triumph of the injured peasant. End of chapter two. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.